Welcome to the podcast of Harvest Baptist Church in Harvest, Alabama. We invite you into our sanctuary as we dive into God's Word with our pastor, Dr. Al Perringer. Last Friday, Melaine um, and I, we have been looking for this tent, big old giant tent, because Keaton, our oldest grandson, is turning one, and we're having a birthday party this Saturday, and we needed this big tent. Well, we found one over in Decatur, and so last Friday, after, after work, we drove over to the caterer, and we get there, and this lady comes out, and we're, we're talking to her, and um, she mentions while, while we're just talking that her husband had just had a stroke like two and a half weeks before, and he was struggling on the left side. Speech was good, but he was struggling on the left side. And, uh, and, and my thought process originally was, okay, well, they probably need to figure out a way to pray for him before we leave. That was my thought process. And about that time, I looked up and I see the man with his walker, rolling walker with his arm up like this. He's trying to get out the door to get to us. And I thought, man, why don't you just go sit down? I mean, he just had a stroke two and a half, two and a half weeks ago. And he came out, and, um, or they helped him out. And within 10 seconds, I knew he was a Christian. I could tell just by the way he was talking. And so we probably sat there and talked for 20, 25 minutes. And he actually came out, didn't know I was a pastor. He came out to tell me about Jesus. Now think about that. Man just had a stroke, was struggling to walk, and he did everything he could to get out that door to tell me about Jesus. And I thought, would I have done that? If I'd had a stroke, I'd have probably been laying up feeling sorry for myself. And I surely wouldn't have probably got up and went to the door to talk to somebody about Jesus that I didn't know. I mean, they'd come to buy a tent. Why in the world would I get up and go tell somebody about Jesus? His name's Darren, by the way. We need to, we'll pray for him later. But that, that, really, that really struck a chord in me. That this man, going through the things he's going through, would be willing to come and tell me about Jesus. And so, I want to ask you this question. How many times in the month of October... Have you shared Jesus with somebody? Planted a seed? Have you done it once? Twice? Too many times to count? Have you done it none? How many of us here tonight would say that we have either never shared our faith with someone or it's very rare that we share our faith with someone? And, and I, I know that if, I, if the percentages are right, probably half of us in here have probably never really shared our faith because it's about 50% from what I've seen. And since we, we're not sharing our faith, then why are we not doing so? I've got a few reasons why I think maybe uh, that, that we don't do this on a regular basis. Number one is that we fear rejection. No one wants to be rejected. But we fear rejection and or, or maybe you just don't know how to start the conversation. I hear that a lot. Well, I don't know how to start the conversation. How to share Christ. I'm not sure if I know enough about the Bible, in the Bible, to answer the questions. Well, I won't get into that one. That's a problem if you've been a Christian for a long time. <laughs> you should know what's in the Bible. And guess what? There are some things you just can't answer. That's another thing. There's going to be things you can't answer, and you're just scared you can't answer them. And... Some people just don't want to deal with it because it's very controversial. Jesus is controversial. You start talking about Jesus, you know, to the, to the people of today, 
it, it could be a, a controversial issue. So I, what I want to do is I want to go back and look at what the apostles did. You know, the apostles, I'm sure they faced a lot of the same issues, except their issue was uh, you may be, get put to death for talking about and sharing Christ. Um, they probably weren't too much concerned about their reputation or uh, how to start a conversation and those kind of things. But, you know, they, they had a lot to deal with. And uh, we want to look at why, how did they get over the, the fear of possible death or imprisonment? What gave them the power to do that? And so we're going to kind of park in the first part of Acts. Uh, the disciples really, they didn't have a choice whether or not they were going to share the gospel. Jesus told them in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, the Great Commission, he said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. He said he'd be with them always. So he, they didn't have an option. If you're going to follow Jesus, you're going to have to share Christ. And so guess what? We don't have that option either. Because the Great Commission is for all of us as well. If we're going to be a Christian and live as Christ tells us to live, then we've got to be able to share and plant a seed in someone's life. So they might have an opportunity to know Christ. So Matthew 28, 18 through 20, it tells us the, the disciples, they, they go off to all the nations and, and, and share the gospel to a dying world. So in Acts 1, 4, Jesus tells the disciples, now don't leave Jerusalem. You need to stay in Jerusalem because the Father has promised a gift to you and you need to stay there until the Father gives you that gift. And so that takes us to Acts chapter 2 where the 120 were up in the upper room and they were praying and they were waiting on this gift, which we know now was the gift of Holy Spirit. And so it says, 120 in the upper room were baptized by the Spirit. The infilling of the Holy Spirit gave them power to do the work of Christ. And during this time, um, the Bible says that there were God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. Now, I don't know how many that is. But there are God-fearing Jews from every, it says, every nation under heaven. So they spoke different languages. And of course, when the Holy Spirit, they were filled with the Holy Spirit, if you remember, they spoke in tongues. They, they spoke in different languages. And the people that were there in the city, they could hear them proclaiming the goodness of God in their own language. You know, that'll get your attention. Right? Would that not get your attention? Well, that got their attention. So Peter took this opportunity to go out and address the crowd. And he preached the gospel. And in Acts 2.38, Peter tells the crowd, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, at about that time, 3,000 people came to know Christ. What gave him the power to do that? Was it Peter? Or was it the Holy Spirit working through Peter? Well, we know that it was the Holy Spirit working through Peter because we can't save a life. We can just be obedient to share the gospel. So, uh, in, in chapter, Acts chapter 3, Peter and John, they, they healed a crippled man. They healed a crippled man that had been crippled from birth. Now, once again, would that not get your attention? Someone's been crippled from birth, and they're 40 years old, and all of a sudden someone comes up 
and they say, I don't have any money, but I tell you, I'll give you what I've got. In the name of Jesus, stand and walk. And he stands up and walks. Now, people all around noticed this. It gave Peter another opportunity to share Christ. And so that's exactly what he did. And uh, he also, not only did he share the gospel, he insulted the Sadducees, the, the religious leaders. He insulted them big time with what he was saying because he told the story of Jesus. He told the, he told the Sadducees that you're the one that killed the Savior of the world. And that made them mad. Of course, it also made them mad that they were getting a lot of attention. And it went, away, it went against their religious beliefs as well. So there's a lot of things going on there. And it says in, uh, in Acts chapter 4 that Peter and John, they were put in jail for this. Now, it was late at night, so they were put in jail at night. And, um, but it does say that because he preached the gospel like he did, that uh, over 2,000 people, around 2,000 people, got saved. So we're up to about 5,000 people in two sermons. Now, we don't expect that to happen to us, but why couldn't it? The Holy Spirit's one does the work. Could, I guess. That's not the point. I'll go keep going because that wasn't the point. Okay. All right. So Peter and John, they were asked. They got them the next morning. They brought them in front of the religious leaders, and they were asked, uh, by what name and what power did you heal this crippled man? And in Acts 4, 8, it says, Peter, being filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, let's just stop right there. If you'll go through the Bible, you'll notice there's many places that the Bible says, Peter, full of the Holy Spirit, or filled with the Holy Spirit. Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit. It even says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit. All right, so why do they make this? I mean, we, just, we know they have the Holy Spirit. They were in the upper room. The Holy Spirit came into them at that point. Right? And we know in our lives that when we are saved, the Holy Spirit comes into our lives because we are the temple of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit lives in us. So why would they say Peter full or filled with the Holy Spirit? And every time you see that in the Bible, something great is fishing to happen. Right? Uh, let, let's say this. Some people say, okay, you get the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is in you when, you, when you're saved. And yes, you get all the Holy Spirit you're going to get. And I agree with that. But the Bible also says in 1 Thessalonians, uh, let's see, uh, two, uh, let me find it right quick, 519, it says, do not quench the Spirit. What does that mean? That means that we're not, sometimes we don't allow the Holy Spirit to have full reign in our life. Yes, the Holy Spirit is here but if we don't allow the Holy Spirit to have full reign in our life and, and to do what He calls us to do instead of being selfish and doing what we want to do, then we're not filled with the Holy Spirit. We just have the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? They were filled with the Holy Spirit, and that's where the power came from. That's why they were doing great things for Jesus. Let's take it like this. you got a house. you got electricity running to the house. The electricity is all through the house, but the light bulb won't come on until you let the flip the switch and let the electricity go to the light bulb. But the electricity is there. But you've got to let it go. You've got to give it, got to let it have full control, the full reign to let the light bulb come. Well, it's the same with us. The Bible says don't quench the Spirit. And, and so I'm saying that Peter, being filled with the Holy Spirit, basically means he was not worried about himself, his selfish desires. He gave the Holy Spirit full and complete reign in his life. And when you do that, the power of the Holy Spirit will work through you, just like it worked through Peter. 
and the other disciples. So, he took this opportunity to preach the gospel again. He was in front of them again, so he's going to preach to them again. Verse 12 says, Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no one under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. The leaders took notice. First of all, they noticed they were unschooled men, just ordinary men, and they noticed also they'd been with, he had been with Jesus. So they noticed these things. And so once again, they commanded them, hey, don't speak in the name of Jesus again. And Peter and John said this. They said, judge for yourself whether it's right in God's sight to obey you rather than God. For we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. We cannot, that's going to come back later, remember that. They said, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. They couldn't help it. They had so much Jesus and so much of the Holy Spirit, they couldn't help it. And they didn't care what was going to happen. They didn't care if they got arrested. They didn't care if they died. They were going to tell the truth. Because they were full of the Holy Spirit. And you can't do that. You can, you're going to be concerned about all the little things of why you can't do something if you don't allow the Holy Spirit to have complete reign in your life. So, it says, uh, he, they commanded him not to do it again. <laughs> in verse 29 of chapter 4, they prayed that they would speak boldness. This is right after this, y'all. Most of us would say, okay, well, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of go in the bushes and maybe tell somebody when nobody can see me. Right? That's probably what we would do. But they said, in verse 29, they said, Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And after they prayed, the place where they were meeting were shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Once again, they were speaking the word of God boldly. Why? Because they were full of the Holy Spirit, and they allowed him to do his work inside of them. So then in, verse five, in chapter 5, once again, the apostles were doing just great miracles. In Jesus' name, and the high priests of the Sadducees, they got jealous. I'm going to read, uh, this is Acts 5, 12 through, it'll be 12 through 17. It says, The apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders among the people, and all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. No one else dared to join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were, late, and were, uh, more, were added to their number. As a result, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. Crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by evil spirits and some. Did it say some? Anybody looking at that? All. It says all of them were healed. Not some, all. And then it says this in 17. Then the high priest and all his associates, who were members of the party of the Sadducees, they were filled with jealousy. Oh boy, it started then. Here we go again. They're out there speaking the name of Jesus. They're healing people. Now they couldn't really do anything when, they, when the 2,000 came to know Jesus. They really couldn't do anything. There were too many people. They were afraid of the people. If they had done something to him then, oh my goodness, the people would have erupted. So they, once again, um, uh, they were arrested. 
But this time, and it was at night when they were arrested. So in the middle of the night, an angel of the Lord came, broke him out of jail. And he said, hey, uh, you know where you got arrested up there preaching in the, in the name of Jesus? Go back to that same spot. I want you to preach again. Preach in Jesus' name again right up there. So next morning, religious leaders get up and they send somebody to the jail to get them. All the, all the uh, soldiers were still there, but they were not there. Where were they? They were trying to find them. Then somebody comes and says, hey, you know those people that you had in the jail that you said they couldn't preach in the name of Jesus or speak in the name of Jesus anymore? Well, they're back up there where we arrested them yesterday and they're preaching in the name of Jesus again. Well, that's boldness, isn't it? You think they were concerned that they might die? They were concerned about their little reputation? You think they were concerned about whether or not they had all the right answers? They had the right answers because they had Jesus. That is the answer. Just want to point them to Jesus. That's the only answer we have. But anyway, so they, they bring them back in again. And um, they, uh, they start accusing them again. You're not going to speak in the name of Jesus. You don't do this. In fact, they were, they were upset because, a part of it was they were upset because the apostles just flat out told the Jewish leaders, you kill the Son of God. You kill the Savior of the world. You. And they didn't like that. Uh, so they told him again not to, not to speak in the name of Jesus. And they said this time, they said, we must obey God rather than men. And that's where we are today, right? No matter what, we must obey God rather than men. And so they were ready to kill him. They were, they were going to kill him at this point. But Gamaliel, he was a Pharisee. He was part of the, the, the Sadducee group. And, well, I don't know if he was a Pharisee. I think he was a Pharisee. So Sadducees don't believe that there's a resurrection. So he was a Pharisee. And um, anyway, he stood up and he said, this let me kind of read what he, what he said here, or, or at least let's talk, talk you through it. He said, hey, you know, uh, there's a guy named uh, Theudas. He appeared claiming to be somebody. He had 400 men with him and he was going to go against the government. But he was killed, and all his, all his followers left. And then there's a guy named Judas. And he, was, he, was, he got him a band of people to revolt around the census time, and he was killed, and all these people, they, they left too. So his advice was to leave the guys alone. Because if it is of human origin, then it's going to fail. But if it's of God, then you're just going to be fighting against God. So just leave them alone. So they took that advice. But they took the advice, but they also flogged them. They beat them. And told them not to speak in the name of Jesus again. And so, uh, in Acts 5, 41 through 42, it says, The apostles left the Sanhedrin, rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering for the name. And the next part's what I'd like again. Day after day in the temple courts, where they got arrested, and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. I tell you what, they were not going to stop. As a side note, we're talking about being full of the Holy Spirit and allowing that's when God does great things through you. 
Uh, Acts chapter 6, if you remember, they were looking for seven men to help with the ministry work. You notice they were not looking for just seven Christians. They said they were looking for seven men to be known to be full of the Holy Spirit. When Stephen was being stoned, the Bible talks about being, Stephen being full of, full of the Holy Spirit or filled with the Holy Spirit. He gave a great sermon before he was stoned. Do you think Stephen would have been able to do that without the power of the Holy Spirit working through his life? I don't think so. Well, here's what happens. The apostles kept sharing the gospel in boldness. The Holy Spirit gave them power and the ability to share and plant seeds so the Holy Spirit or God could change hearts, souls, and minds. So now let's kind of look at us. Let's do something practical. Look at us. Now we can see that the apostles did great things for Christ because they allowed the Holy Spirit to have full control in their lives. And we can also do great things for Christ. But we must also give complete control in our lives to the Holy Spirit. Now, when I say complete control, there's, you, can't, you can't live in sin. You can't just say little, part, little sin's okay. Okay? This is not my notes, but this, I guess I, I need to say this. I told you that the Holy Spirit, and we, we know the Holy Spirit is in us. And when we do something that's sinful, the Holy Spirit should be convicting us. Hey, this is not right. This is not right. But unfortunately, sometimes, I guess I'll just use me as an example. I'll use me as an example. Uh, I've, I've always had a, a problem with a temper. Um, God has really helped me, and it's surely not me, over the last few years. But I, that's the issue that I have. I have never, I never remember in my whole life going, you know, that's okay, that's just who I am. We're brought up in a home that screamed and hollered all the time as to who I am. Well, if I do that, then I'm not allowing the Holy Spirit to have full reign in my life. I have to, I have to go, you know what, that's wrong. Lord, help me. Help, show me how I can get over this. Help me, Lord, to get over this and to love people and to love you like I'm supposed to. I want you to have full reign in my life. I cannot say it's okay for me to have a temper. Do I still blow up sometimes? Yeah, unfortunately I do. I do. That's a problem that I have. But I will never make an excuse. It's my fault. So that's what I'm saying. We have to be able to say, you know what? That's a sin. God help me get over that. And when we do it again, because sometimes we do, let the Holy Spirit convict us, give it back to Him again, and let Him have all of, all of us. So, You know, sometimes we just think that we're just not very important. And, and we, don't, we think we don't have a big enough influence for God to use us. And, and, and guys, it's just it's not true because God didn't call us to do big things. He just called us to do the little things. He, he does the big things. We just do the little things. The commentary is pretty good on this. It says, uh, the word of God spread like ripples on a pond where where from a single center each wave touches the next, spreading wider and farther. The gospel still spreads this way today. You don't have to change the world single-handedly. It is enough just to be a part of the wave, touching those around you who in turn will touch others until you have felt the movement. Don't ever feel that your part is insignificant or unimportant. See, we, don't, we shouldn't try to do big splashy things. 
It's not like we're going to impress God. We're all sinners. Right? So we're not going to impress God. He does all the work anyway. So don't try to do big splashy things. We just need to do those little things that God's telling us to do. What the Holy Spirit tells you to do, do it. Do the little things for the kingdom. Romans 10, 13 says this. It says, uh, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Sounds pretty simple, doesn't it? Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But 10 through, uh, 14 through 15 of, of chapter 10 says, how can they call on the one they have never believed in? How can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? So how important is it for us as Christians to be sharing the gospel, planting seeds? How is someone going to call on the name of the Lord to be saved if they hadn't heard it? You're waiting on someone else to do it? But that's not the way it works. We're all in this thing together. Somebody tried to call me in the middle of the service, by the way. All right, and then it says, and how can, you, how can they hear without someone preaching to them? Don't get hung up on the word preaching. That don't mean it's supposed to be preachers doing it. All of us. We're all preachers and we're all teachers if we're saved. And how can they preach or teach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those that bring good news. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So let's go back and think about the apostles. They said, we can't help but share what we have seen and what we know. All right? And you go back and you think about some of the things I say. Well, how do you start the conversation? To share Christ. Well, what did they do? They just told what they knew. What about a testimony? What about your testimony? You say, I don't have a good testimony. Well, let me tell you, my testimony is really not that good. It's just not. I'll tell you what, I, right, real fast, I'll tell you my testimony. I was born and raised in a Christian home. I was in church every time the door was open, even when I didn't want to be. And when I was 13 years old, I went to a youth camp, and a guy preached, and I realized I was a sinner, and I couldn't go to heaven on my parents' salvation. That's when I realized it, at 13. And so I accepted Jesus as my Savior. I've been doing my best to live for him. I fail, but he's still faithful. And as long as I live, I'm going to continue to proclaim the goodness of Jesus Christ. And I want, you to, I, I want to tell you about Jesus. That's not a really good testimony, is it? It is to me. But it made it personal. I, you can start a conversation any way you want. So what I want to do tonight, and I've got about a few minutes, uh, I want to give you five scriptures to help you. Five scriptures to help you so you can talk to people about Jesus. You're not going to have all the answers. But these five scriptures are so important. If you want to write them down, you can. Most of you probably know them anyway. Four of them is the Romans Road. But we're going to start with John 14, 6. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Now that just, we've heard that our whole life, but let me tell you something. The days we live in and the days that the apostles lived in, that's a big statement. Because there's people all over the place that tell you there's many ways to get to God. In fact, they'll say, oh, there's many ways. There's, you, you know, uh, in fact, the Hindus, they have over thousands and thousands of gods. So if you're talking to a Hindu, which I've been talking to one for six or seven years, this scripture of, of Jesus saying, I am the way and the truth and the life, no one comes to the Father except through me, is very important for that person. 
They have to understand He is the only way. So you need to know that scripture. And if you're going to talk to someone about salvation, they're not going to need a Savior unless they know they are a sinner. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So you've got, to, you've got to be able to talk to them about them being a sinner. And you say, hey, uh, you know, the Bible says, uh, we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Do you believe you're a sinner? Believe it or not, you'll have some say no. I'm a good person. And I usually say something like, hey, have you ever told a lie? Most of the time they'll say yes. I said, well, the Bible says that if you tell a lie, that means you're a liar. And the liars don't enter the kingdom of heaven, they go to hell. So that tells me that you have a sin problem. Just like we all do. And most of the time they'll, they'll understand that, yeah, I'm a sinner. First step. They've got to know they're a sinner. And then you go to Romans 5.8. It said, but God demonstrated his love in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You see, God knew we were going to be sinners. And he sent his son to pay the penalty on the cross for your sin and my sin. That's great news. But Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death. And I don't do the whole scripture there. I'll get to the second part in a minute. For the wages of sin is death. Now, people understand money, Right? You start talking about money, they start paying attention. And you say, well, let me ask you this. You got a job. Most of them say yes. They say, when you work a week or two, and you get this paycheck, that paycheck's you're called your wages. That's what you have earned for the two weeks that you have worked. Would you agree with that? And most of the time they say yes. Well, the Bible says that the wages of sin, and we've already established you're a sinner, the wages of sin is death. Death meaning hell, meaning you're going to be absent from all the goodness of God. Now, it doesn't mean you're going to be absent from the wrath of God, because in Revelations, it talks about in the wrath of God being poured out in front of the angels and the Lamb. How about that one? Some people tell you, I'm just, side note, some people say it's the total absence of God. No, it's the total absence of the goodness of God, but it is most definitely not the total absence of the wrath of God. So the wages of sin is death, and if something doesn't happen, you're going to bust hell wide open. And honestly, I'm kind of blunt like this when I talk to people sometimes. I'm sorry, but I just tell them like it is. And, but I said, here's the good news, though. The next part says, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. If I had a $10,000 and I had it in my hand, I said, hey, if you, this is a free gift for you. All you've got to do is come take it. I bet you would come take it, wouldn't you? Yes, I would. Well, Jesus, God has given you something much worth more than $10,000. He's given you an opportunity to live with Him forever. And you don't have to die in your sin. You can live forever and ever and ever in the goodness of God instead of the wrath of God. That sounds good, doesn't it? Well, how, how am I supposed to be saved? What, what do I do to be saved? Romans 10, 9. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you'll be saved. You just shared the gospel. And you don't have to use all those. Sometimes I only use two. I think one time I use one. It's just going with the conversations. But if you can learn those five scriptures, guys, it'll give you more boldness to, to, to proclaim the gospel than you probably have right now. Now, I went ahead and memorized the next part. Romans 10, 9 through 13. It says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord... 
Believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you'll be saved. For it's with the heart one believes and is justified, and it's with the mouth one professes their faith, and they're saved. For Scripture says, anyone who believes in Him will never be put to shame. For there's no difference in Jew and Gentile. And you have to explain sometimes what Jew and Gentile. That means there's no difference in races, there's no difference in man and woman, all the same in God's sight. For there's no difference in Jew and Gentile. For the same Lord is Lord of all and, ri and richly blesses all those that call upon His name. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I done got fired up this tonight. I'm going to tell you guys, we got to do a better job of sharing the gospel. we got people going to hell. And we got the best news that anybody could ever have. And we are too scared to say anything. Why are we scared? And I'm talking to myself too. I miss so many opportunities day after day after day. Even though I pray every day, Lord, don't let me miss the opportunity. And I get busy and I start doing other things. And then I realize... I missed the opportunity. That guy over there is one I should have talked to. I had the opportunity, and I didn't do it. And I hope this makes sense. And I'm not getting, look, I'm in the boat with you. I miss them every day. I don't share like I should share. I don't allow the Holy Spirit to have full reign in my life all the time. So, that's all I got. I hope it made sense. But I do believe if you pray that God will put somebody in your path, He will. You just got to look for it. And remember this, last little part. I know we're supposed to pray and we'll do it quickly. All right, but remember this. You are not a failure if you share Christ and they don't come to know Christ or, or pray to receive Christ. You are a failure only when you don't share. That's it. You have done the, exactly what you're supposed to do when you share Christ because the Holy Spirit does the work anyway, not us. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Harvest Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at harvest-baptist.org or find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. You can also find info on our children's ministry on Facebook at Harvest Baptist Children's Ministry or on Instagram at KidsQuest underscore HBC. Our student ministries on Facebook at HBC Vertical Student Ministry and on Instagram at VSM underscore HBC. We welcome you to join us on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. We are located at 8999 Waltrana Highway in Harvest, Alabama. Thanks for listening and God bless.